Hello and welcome back to the Intricacies of History. My name is Casey and today I want to talk about a heist so overlooked that it didn't even have a Wikipedia page for me to source content from. The Theft of the Magdala Treasures. Today's topic, the Magdala Treasures, is the story of the absolutely flagrant pillage committed by the British against the Ethiopian people. Magdala was a reputably impenetrable fortress in the mountains of Ethiopia, and the particularly inquisitous heist of the Magdala Treasures occurred in 1868 when the British attacked the Ethiopian Empire. But we will get to the attack of the Ethiopian Empire soon enough. Because, unlike some of our other episodes, this story centers around a protagonist of sorts. And so, we're going to start with the beginning of his story. Our story begins with the reign of Emperor Tuodros II. Tuodros II was born with the name Kasa Hailu, the son of a Christian nobleman in Ethiopia. He had somewhat of a torrid upbringing. His parents divorced when he was young, and he was abandoned by his father to live in his mother's care until he was eventually sent to a Catholic convent to attend school. But, unfortunately for him, this convent became the target of a local military commander by the name of Dejmak Wu, who, after suffering some historically unimportant and unrecorded defeat, decided that he was going to burn the convent down in a fit of rage. So, Dejdap Wub burned the convent down and dismembered many of the children that had attended it. But luckily, young Kasa narrowly escaped with his life. After this unfortunate incident, Kasa ran away and lived with his extended family for some time. As a young man in a war-torn country, he made some enemies and was for a long time considered a shifta, which is the Horn of Africa's version of a, a Wild West outlaw. He roams around and causes a lot of problems for local warlords, but after a stretch of time roaming around Ethiopia, Kasa Hailu gained a lot of followers, and eventually he had enough support to take control over some territories of his own, so that he himself could become a warlord. He was actually a pretty popular warlord at the time, because when Kasa took over territories, he was actually kind and pretty nice to his subjects. Historical accounts recall that he would share crop yields among the villagers that he subjugated, and uh, he would even teach them about the importance of agriculture. Because Kasa had some education from the convent, and because of his family's noble history, he understood the importance of modernization and technology, and he helped propagate all of that across Ethiopia. His popularity and capability garnered him so much attention, in fact, that the empress of the most powerful nation in Ethiopia married her granddaughter off to him. Now, everyone agrees that Kasla loves this woman that he married, but everyone also agrees that he hated his in-laws. He did not like the emperor and empress. So, eventually, he rebels against his in-laws by defeating them in a series of battles, during which he captures his wife's grandmother, the empress, and announces that he will be taking over as the new emperor of Ethiopia. And it's at this point that Kasahailu ascends the throne and takes the name Tuodros II. He did so because the last Tuodros to rule over the Ethiopian Empire, Tuodros I, who ruled 400 years before him, had been the last emperor during Ethiopia's Golden Age. 
There was a, a standing prophecy that a man named Tuodros would once again ascend the throne and reunite the Ethiopian Empire to its former glory. Tuodros II was convinced that he was the man for the job. His first action as emperor was, of course, to go after his sworn enemy. And I'm not making this up. This is really what he did immediately after unseating the old emperor. He went after Dejmak Woop, the man responsible for burning down his school all those years before. So he marches on Dejtak Woop, destroys his life, and then imprisons him until he dies. All of that occurred in 1855. In 1855, Tuodros II assumed power over Ethiopia, and over the next eight years, Tuodros united Ethiopia and really did live up to the name that he took. Tuodros also moved the capital of Ethiopia to Magdala, a great and heavily fortified palace in the mountains along the Great African Rift. Magdala sat on top of a mountain and acted as Tuodros' seat of power. With the city, he amassed all the valuables that he had accrued across Ethiopia as he defeated enemy after enemy. He had religious relics, valuables, and cultural artifacts in the city. He'd even begun to build a great library. In addition, Tuodros had a great many prisoners in Magdala. After defeating his enemies, he would typically imprison them and their families within the fortress. He even married his daughter off to one of those prisoners, his favorite prisoner, in fact, by the name of Melanik II. Melanik eventually escaped to Magdala and abandoned Tuodros' daughter, which greatly offended the emperor, and honestly, Melanik might have been his second greatest enemy after Dejmakwub. But, spoiler alert, Melanik would eventually return to Magdala years later, when he himself became the emperor after Tuodros' death. That's beside the point, however. The point is that Tuodros was a pretty powerful guy who controlled a pretty powerful piece of Ethiopia. In fact, most of Ethiopia under the Ethiopian Empire. But around 1863, things start to go wrong. He kind of loses his grip a little bit. His wife dies, and historical accounts sort of imply that in his grief, he becomes an angry and bitter man. After the death of his wife, Tuodros holds many public executions. One such execution happened after Tuodros's friend, a British missionary by the name of John Bell, was killed in an ambush while traveling with him. After the death of John Bell, Tuodros ordered the execution of 500 local men he felt were responsible or adjacent to those who were responsible. If you think 500 isn't a very big mass execution, then I have news for you. More notably, in 1863, after defeating a rebellion against him, Tuodros ordered the execution of 7,000 prisoners. To say he was in a bad mood after his wife died is a wild understatement. On a side note, he did take another wife although she didn't seem to make him as happy. Remember Dejmakwub, his sworn enemy? Tuodros' sworn enemy, Wub, who he was imprisoning? Well, while Dejmakwub was imprisoned in Magdala, he had several children, and uh, Tuodros married one of Dejmakwub's daughters in yet another spiteful fit of revenge. As much as I would like to say that his unhappy marriage to his worst enemy's daughter was the end of Tuodros' problems, it wasn't. Much of Ethiopia was in rebellion once again, as Islam spread like wildfire through the region, and Tuodros's sudden appetite for cruelty caused discontent within the population. Tuodros, who again was a Christian himself, wrote to the Queen of England requesting her assistance. And this is where the real trouble starts. He takes this letter that he wrote to the Queen of England, and he sends it with an officer of the British consul in Ethiopia. 
a man named Charles Cameron. He tells Cameron to take this letter to the Queen, and then to return to him with the aid that he requested. So Cameron talks to some people at the British Foreign Aid Office and tells them about this mission. They tell him to just mail the letter to London and to go elsewhere in Africa for a little while to fulfill some of his other duties. When he eventually returns to Ethiopia with none of the aid that Tuodris requested, and furthermore informs him that he didn't personally deliver the letter to Queen Victoria, Tuodros is absolutely livid. He imprisons Cameron, and eventually, after waiting two years for any sort of response from England, Tuodros becomes so angry that they're ignoring him, that he decides to create a ploy, a plot, if you will, to get some attention. He imprisons every British citizen and emissary that he can find in Ethiopia, and kills quite a few of them in rage when he finds out they spoke ill of his more violent tendencies. He did not like bad PR. Imprisoning every British person in his country does manage to get the attention of the English. They send a diplomatic mission down to Tuodros with a letter from the Queen, now three years late. They didn't bring any of the laborers or soldiers that he had requested help from, though. And so his anger grew. Tuodros didn't release any of the British citizens from prison. In fact, he only added to them by imprisoning the men that the Queen had sent to him on a diplomatic mission. When word of this got back to the Brits, they decided there was no reasoning with Tuodros, and they resolved to invade Ethiopia. The British sailed from India, 13,000 soldiers strong, and along with some Ethiopians who were fed up with Tuodros' wrath, they marched on the mountaintop fortress of Magdala. A three-day battle ensued, during which Tuodros slowly lost his mind, as he realized defeat is inevitable. On the second day, he attempted to negotiate a surrender, but when the British respond by telling him that they'll treat him and his family very well if he concedes, he tells them he would never be willing to be taken as prisoner. Tuodros knows he will soon die, so he makes a series of final choices. He releases all of his European prisoners that he had taken, but he has the remaining soldiers who hadn't yet deserted him throw 300 of his Ethiopian prisoners off of the cliff. It is unknown whether or not Dejmakub died before this battle, or he was thrown off the cliff, but one way or another, Dejmakub did eventually die, for those of you still wondering about Tuodros' sworn enemy. Tuodros then committed suicide with a pistol that Queen Victoria had long ago gifted to him. Very poetic. At this bitter end, the British bury his body in the Church of Magdala, but not before cutting off some of Tuodros's hair as a strange item of war memorabilia. They then begin to loot Magdala. Historian Richard Pankhurst reports that the British needed 15 elephants and 200 mules to cart away everything they took from the citadel. Pretty impressive haul. All of this loot and Tuodros's hair went back to the British Museum and was kept there up until recently. It's known as the Magdala Collection, and consists of a large number of religious and sacred Ethiopian treasures. Along with magnificent silver and gold jewelry, carved professional crosses, two beautiful royal crowns, and Emperor Tuodros' seven-year-old son, the British took home eleven tabits with them, or tabos. These tabos are by far the most sensitive item, again, other than Tuodros' hair, that the British took from Magdala. A tabo is a very important object in Ethiopian Christianity, as they believe it to be the dwelling place of God on earth. The tabos are a sort of symbolic copy of the Ten Commandments that were kept in the Ark of the Covenant. 
the word of God which is too holy to be gazed upon by man. In Ethiopian tradition, every church has a tabo, or in some cases multiple tabos, which are kept in the clergy chambers known as the kedest kedusan, or holy of holies. No one except the clergy is permitted to look upon the tabos, and so the British Museum has actually kept the tabos in secret for 200 years, never displaying them as they shouldn't be viewed by the public. It's funny, though, because they insist on keeping them locked up and under British possession, even though they literally can't do anything with them. They refuse to return them to Ethiopia. But I digress. The tabos are traditionally only brought out during holy holidays, or times of crisis when they're prayed over for divine guidance. When Ethiopian priests carry them out of the Kedest Kedesan, they balance them on their heads, veiling them with cloaks. And in the procession, beautiful and delicate silk umbrellas are held over them at all times. For those of you who are wondering, the British did in fact loot many of these silk umbrellas when they plundered Magdala. In fact, I would go as far as to call it a sacking, the sack of Magdala. I know I haven't mentioned sacking yet this episode, so I figured it was time to slip that in. In summary, the tabos are very important objects. Uh, Ethiopian Orthodox Church isn't consecrated without a tabo. For those of you at home who listened to the Elgin Marbles, you may remember that the British Museum has still stood strong in their refusal to return them. But, happily, the Magdala treasures have a bit of a happier ending. In Ethiopian history, Tuodros II is seen as a rebel of sorts, resisting British colonization until the bitter end, and defending the values of his country. And so, over the years, Ethiopian scholars, and honestly scholars more generally, have demanded the return of his hair to Ethiopia. It's a bit odd to keep a man's hair on display for several hundred years, especially when someone cut it off his head shortly after he killed himself because his entire empire fell apart in the span of three days. So, in 2019, during negotiations for the return of the Magdala treasures, the British agreed to repatriate the locks of Tuodros' hair that they had taken hundreds of years before. How kind. Negotiations continued into 2020 and 2021, and I'm happy to inform you all that this very September in 2021, a nonprofit group negotiated a deal to purchase the Magdala collection with the eventual goal of restituting. They haven't yet set a date or negotiated the return, but people do have their hopes up that the Magdala treasures will be repatriated. After 200 years, Magdala, Tuodros II, and the Ethiopian Empire are back in the news. Whether the treasures are returned now or in the future, people are fairly certain that they will be returned, and I for one am happy because I think this is one of the more straightforward heists that we've covered on the podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us this week, and we'll see you again next week with a, a special episode of the podcast. I've heard some viewers have requested a co-host for the podcast to ask questions and make points of inquiry, and uh, we're going to try that out next week. So thank you all for listening to another episode of Intricacies of History. We will be back next week with another intricate story from history.